Hello, my friends. This is JB from JB Motivating from the 5280. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. These creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, you can do this right from your phone or your computer. I personally started out on my phone and now I have transitioned to my computer. With such ease, I highly recommend it. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, my friends. Today is Friday, October 16th. TGIF. I welcome you to JB Motivating for the Mile High City. My name is JB, and I bring you my listeners, my friends, weekly episodes of my personal advice and opinions of all things that will help you in your daily journey of positive motivation. And every once in a while, I will bring you an episode focused on self-improvement, all from my home in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Just a little secret... I'm going to be bringing you one special self-improvement episode coming very, very soon. Might even come out this coming up weekend. Stay tuned. So I've been moved to share these daily motivation episodes that are inspired by a book by Cindy Spiegel that I found on Amazon titled A Year of Positive Thinking, Daily Inspiration, Wisdom, and Courage. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do to help you to get your day started. Today's daily inspiration for this Friday is titled, Your Feelings Are Always Right. When it comes to how you feel, you are always right. Do not question whether what you feel is acceptable or unacceptable. Whatever your feelings are, you are entitled to have them. Your feelings can be a window to your highest self. Listen to them and honor them. Hmm. What a good inspiration for a Friday to go into this beautiful weekend. Your feelings are always right. So how many of you listen all the time to others to telling you what you're supposed to be doing instead of listening to your gut, to listen to that gut feeling? I know when I was younger, I was a competitive swimmer, and there was a meet that I was trying to qualify for, and I was going to have to swim my my heart out. I really was. It was going to be challenging, and I knew it, but I, I swam the race, and I qualified for this meet. This meet was a big deal. Now... I was, I was set. I was ready. I was excited to go to this meet. And it was going to be like in a month or so from then. But I got criticism from a parent of one of our swimmers on our team. And she's like, I can't believe you're going to go. It's only just for one event. And I was like, uh, yeah, because I wanted to swim this event. I, I had accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I earned that right to go to that on that trip to go to that swim meet. 
So, do you question whether what you feel is acceptable or unacceptable? I knew it was acceptable for me to feel that I deserve to go to the swim meet. You know, whatever your feelings are, you're entitled to have them. I was entitled to have that feeling. The parent who was feeling and saying what she was saying, did she have the right to say that? Of course she did, because she thought it was just kind of a little ridiculous. And I get it. But you know what? It was the most fun I've ever had at a swim meet. So I'm so excited and so blessed that I got to do it. So just know that just because you might think it's not right or because it might scare you, you should do it. I'm just going to tell you, you should do it. Um, like the very last sentence of this, your feelings can be a window to your highest self. Listen to them and honor them. You know what? I know I've said it many times, but I listen to my heart. I listen to what was going on in my life. I love podcasts. I really do. Um, and I told myself, I'm going to do this. And I did it. And guess what? My partner still thinks I'm a dork for doing it, but I still do it. You know what? Because I love it. It's really weird to constantly hear your voice in your ears. And I get that because as a singer, I can't stand listening to myself. But I know what I'm saying is important. So as you go out today, know that your feelings are always right. So I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode, and I look forward to sharing with you more of JB Motivating for the Mile High City in my daily motivation episodes. Until next week, share this podcast with your friends. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Breaker, and of course, Anchor.fm. Follow and like my Facebook page, JB Motivating for the Mile High City. And you can also find me on Instagram at JB Motivate from the 5280 and Twitter at JB Motivate 5280. Signing off from my home in beautiful Denver, Colorado, and JB Motivating for the Mile High City. I will see you next week for Monday's Daily Motivation. Go out and have a safe, fun, exciting weekend. And if you haven't listened to any some of this week's episodes, go back. Listen. They're all there. I know you'll be happy you did. Have a wonderful weekend, my friends. Until Monday. Of getting thrown out of his former band was so painful for him that he adopted success relative to Metallica as the metric by which to measure himself in his music career. Despite taking a horrible event in his life and making something positive out of it, a Mustaine, as Mustaine did with Megadeth, his choice to hold on to Metallica's success as his life-defining metric continued to hurt him decades later. Despite all the money and the fans and the accolades, he still considered himself a failure. Now, you and I may look at Dave Mustaine's situation and laugh. Here's this guy with millions of dollars hundreds of thousands of adoring fans, a career doing the thing he loves best, and still he's getting all weepy-eyed that his rock star buddies from 20 years ago are far more famous than he is. This is because you and I have different values than Mustaine does. 
and we measure ourselves by different metrics. Our metrics are probably more like, I don't want to work a job for a boss I hate, or I'd like to earn enough money to send my kids to a good school, or I'd be happy to not wake up in a drainage ditch. And by these metrics, Mustaine is wildly, unimaginably successful. But by his metric, be more popular and successful than Metallica, he is a failure. Our values determine the metrics by which we measure ourselves and everyone else. Onoda's value of loyalty to the Japanese empires would sustained him on Lubang for almost 30 years. But this same value is almost is also what made him miserable upon his return to Japan. Mustaine's metric of being better than Metallica likely helped him launch an incredible, incredibly successful music career. But that same metric later tortured him in spite of his success. If you want to change how you see your problems, you have to change what you value and or how you measure failure or success. As an example, let's look at another musician who got kicked out of another band. His story eerily echoes that of Dave Mustaine, although it happened two decades earlier. It was 1962, and there was a buzz around an up-and-coming band from Liverpool, England. This band had funny haircuts and even and even funnier name, but their music was undeniably good, and the record industry was finally taking notice. There was John, the lead singer and songwriter, Paul, the boyish-faced romantic bass player, George, the rebellious lead guitar player, and then there was the drummer. He was considered the best-looking of the bunch. The girls all went wild for him, and it was his face that began to appear in the magazines first. He was the most professional member of the group, too. He didn't do drugs. He had a steady girlfriend. There were even a few people in suits and ties who thought he should be the face of the band, not John or Paul. His name was Pete Best. And in 1962, after landing their first record contract, the other three members of the Beatles quietly got together and asked their manager, Brian Epstein, to fire him. Epstein agonized over the decision. He liked Pete, so he put it off, hoping the other three guys would change their minds. Months later, a mere three days before the recording of the first record began, Epstein finally called Best to his office. There, the manager unceremoniously told him to piss off and find another band. He gave no reason, no explanation, no condolences, no condolences, just told him that the other guys wanted him out of the group. So, uh, best of luck. As a replacement, the band brought in some oddball named Ringo Starr. Ringo was older and had a big funny nose. Ringo agreed to take the same ugly haircut as John, Paul, and George, and insisted on writing songs about octopuses and submarines. The other guys said, sure, fuck it, why not? Within six months of Best's firing, Beatlemania had erupted, making John, Paul, George, and Ringo arguably four of the most famous faces on the entire planet. Meanwhile, Best understandably fell into a deep depression and spent a lot of time doing what any Englishman will do if you give him a reason to. Drink. The rest of the 60s were not kind to to Pete Best. By 1965, he had sued two of the Beatles for slander, and all of his other musical projects had failed horribly. 
1968, he attempted suicide only to be talked out of it by his mother. His life was a wreck. Best didn't have the same redemptive story Dave Mustaine did. He never became a global superstar or made millions of dollars. Yet, in many ways, Best ended up better off than Mustaine. In an interview in 1994, Best said, I'm happier than I would have been with the Beatles. What the hell? Best explained that the circumstances of his getting kicked out of the Beatles ultimately led him to meet his wife, and then his marriage led him to having children. His values changed. He began to measure his life differently. Fame and, fort- fame and glory would have been nice, sure, but he decided that what he had already had was more important, a big and loving family, a stable marriage, a simple life. He even got to play drums, touring Europe, and recording albums well into the 2000s. So what was really lost? Just a lot of attention and adulation, whereas what was gained meant so much more to him. These stories that some values these stories suggest that some values and metrics are better than others. Some lead to good problems that are easily and regularly solved. Others lead to bad problems that are not easily and regularly solved. Shitty. Shitty values. There are a handful of common values that create really poor problems for people. Problems that can hardly be solved. So let's go over them quickly. Number one, pleasure. Pleasure is great, but it's a horrible value to prioritize your life around. Ask any drug addict how his pursuit of pleasure turned out. Ask an adulterer who shattered her family and lost her children whether pleasure ultimately made her happy. Ask a man who almost ate himself to death how pleasure helped him solve his problems. Pleasure is a false god. Research shows that people who focus their energy on superficial pleasures end up more anxious, more more emotionally unstable, and more depressed. Pleasure is the most superficial form of life satisfaction, and therefore the easiest to obtain and the easiest to lose. And yet, pleasure is what's marketed to us 24-7. It's what we fixate on. It's what we use to numb and distract ourselves. But pleasure, while necessary in life, in certain doses, isn't by itself sufficient. Pleasure is not the cause of happiness. Rather, it is the effect. If you get the other stuff right, the other values and metrics, then pleasure will naturally occur as a 